Welcome into the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbach. What up, folks? How you doing? And Trey, Stinky Fingers Jose. What up, y'all? How we doing out there? We're feeling good. We're feeling great because we got some new... Mics, dude. And not only just new mics, but new arms for the mics. Boom. Yeah. B- bionic arms. <laughs> yeah, we're not uh yeah, we're not paraplegics. <laughs> just all of us got new mics. <laughs> yeah, we did get some boom arms for this, so now I, I yeah, literally I'm stoked, man. I can oh, chill and just man, talk. I'm sitting back in the chair, I'm not leaning forward, my old back doesn't hurt. I feel good, I feel great. Everything is dandy. If you're new to the show, it is a fairly new show. That is why we're so excited on the new microphones. Hopefully, the audio sounds better and our sound engineer figures his shit out. God, if these Filipinos would get off their ass. (laughs) (laughs) As in my Filipino ass. Yeah, so just busy lupia, but... um, I wish. No, literally... If you are an avid listener and you can tell the difference, it sounds better. Let us know, Muppets dropping mitts. Yep, talking to you. (laughs) Oh yeah, Muppets dropping mitts at Twitter, dog. Shout out to you for letting us know that. um, Just giving us some good feedback. Really, we really appreciate. Specifically, Hogthrob. Hogthrob is one who gave us the the DM. So yeah, we appreciate that. You know, the feedback is is huge. We don't know what we're we're doing right, what we're doing wrong until you guys tell us. So right, 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 right. And that feedback came from at dropping mitts. Right, Muppets, Muppets dro- dropping mitts at Muppets dropping mitts. That's right. On Twitter, they host a p- hockey podcast. Yes, and they're real cool guys. If you like hockey, check them out for sure. For sure, check them out. Uh, hockey, hockey, not our specialty. Uh, what we focus on is fantasy football. Uh, unfortunately, you know, hockey's a hella cool sport. Love it, but uh, we focus on fantasy football. Ah, don't show no love, dude. Just move on. Moving on. <laughs> um. Anyways. Today, we're covering the NFC and all the free agency trades and acquisitions that have happened in the NFC. Uh, And also, obviously, we got to talk about some of the recent uh, moves like Tyreek Hill, which we will bring up. Uh, But first things first, if you haven't already, uh, follow us on the Twitter at the FF Fathers. That's where we... uh, Interact with the fantasy football community on Twitter and post all of our shows. Uh, so if you're on the Twitter, uh, give us a follow there. If not, no worries. Make sure you subscribe, like, whatever, on whatever platform you're on so you never miss an episode. All right. By the way, before you dive in, if the audio seems a little weird so far, we're moving our mics around right now, trying to adjust these we're, boom yeah, arms, these getting the mic arms. in front of our face in the right direction. I'm trying to get comfy, you know. Yeah, so just bear with us, but we'll figure that shit out real quick. Yep. It's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet setup now. Uh, we're pretty much all the way set up here, boys. We just got to get video going, but that's for another day. For right now, let's talk about the free agency uh acquisitions on the nfc side but first things first let's get into the biggest news really of the week since the last time we recorded if you're looking for afc uh free agency trades and acquisitions that's on the previous episode um so go check that out um but tyree kill 
The only real <laughs> news, right? The only real news since we uploaded our AFC free agent yeah. episode. If you are curious about AFC free agents, you can you still have a chance to listen to it because nothing has really changed. The only real big free agent signing, right? Big Irby, it would be Tyreek Hill. And I mean, if you want to consider it, well, and that's it, not even Andy a free Dalton. agent signing. Technically, it's a trade. It's a trade Andy yeah. Dalton's the only like major free, like fantasy wise, free agency signing, which is not because he's going to be a backup anyways. Uh, right. But yeah, Tyreek Hill. So that's the big one. The Miami Dolphins trade for Chiefs uh, wide receiver Tyreek Hill for a first, a second, and a fourth in the 2022 draft, and then a fourth and a sixth round pick in next year's draft. So. That's a lot. They gave up five picks for Tyreek Hill. They're expecting him to do a lot. So what do you guys think? Like, how does this work with, you know, the Dolphins and and with Tua specifically? I've heard rumors that Mike McDaniels, which we've talked about it before with his uh, running game prowess. Obviously, we have high expectations for Miami Dolphins run game. And apparently Mike McDaniels is reportedly saying he wants to use Tyreek Hill like Debo Samuel, which... Sounds like a wish list kind of thing to do, right? But Mike McDaniels comes from San Francisco. So that kind of gives a little bit of weight to what he's saying, right? I mean, what do y'all think about that? No, honestly, that makes sense to me. Like, they're built similarly. Um, Tyreek Hill is great after the catch. I mean, They're both built more similar to running backs in terms of, like, their stocky, thick thick thighs. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting, though, too, Tyreek Hill, the first thing he said when he went to— when he basically got to choose between the trade to the Jets for the Dolphins. And he asked. He essentially asked both teams, "Will you allow me to return punts?" The the Dolphins said yes. He wants to return two or three punts a game. He wants to make sure he's back there because he thinks he can be, you know, as big of a game changer game that changer. way than he is as a receiver. That would make sense, like legacy wise, because that's where Devin Hester made his name right with the return game. And all you need is a couple sick returns, man, and you're instantly a fan favorite, mm-hmm. which. Might not be that big of a deal, but for someone who cares about their ego and their legacy, shout out to Russell Wilson, right? <laughs> um, I mean, if you want to really make a, a, a big impact and have a good legacy on a franchise, it, it seems like that's what Tyreek Hill is doing, which is really interesting for being on a new team to put himself out there on punt return. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, obviously, he can make an impact receiving wise, but yeah. if he wants to also go on to special teams, that's like, uh, it's a horrible example, but that's almost like your manager being like, yeah, I'll mop the bathroom. <laughs> like I'll do the dirty work yeah. while also being paid this amount of money, which is not necessary for him to do, but he wants to do it. Yeah, I think he just wants to provide value wherever he can, you know what I mean? But I think getting back to the offense as a whole, like do you actually trust Tua cuz the take with, you know, Mc- McDaniel, uh Mike wanting to, you know, get Tyreek in the Debo Samuel role, same thing with Jalen Waddle. It's like, well, how much of that work is really, you know, available? Like, because the whole talk all offseason before the Tyreek Hill trade was that Jalen Waddle is going to be the next Debo Samuel. And now Tyreek Hill has been traded to Miami, and now he's going to be the next Debo Samuel. Well, who's really going to be the next Debo Samuel? And how much fantasy relevance is that really going to provide? Um, if they're both being worked in the same role, and how much do you really trust Tua to be a legitimate threat in the passing game? Because the accuracy... Well, he's always been an accurate quarterback. He doesn't have the greatest arm, but he's always been an accurate yeah, quarterback. Yeah, the accuracy's there, but uh, what I was going to say is the fucking arm power is not. 
Right. Yeah, that, I was going to add that. He is accurate to a, a certain distance. Mm-hmm. Once, it gets sure. a little, once it gets further well, down yeah, the field, Well, yeah, you can only throw very... the ball so far, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and sure, that, like, when it comes to Tyreek's ability, like, going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua is... throw it all the way down the field. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes can throw the ball 70 yards in the air pretty easily. So that's a little different. So, like, they're going to have to, you know, switch up the offense a little bit that way because Tua can't get the ball that far down the field. But I would kind of counter you in the fact of, like, who's going to be the the deal Samuel? Like, why can't they both be? When you have two guys that have that kind of ability, think about the mismatches and the different, like, weird formations McDaniel can come up with to make it so, like, one of those guys is always going to be open. Yeah. And then just trust them to, you know, be able to make a play. Because, like, they they both break down guys super easily. You know, they're both great in the open field. I think they're going to... I think you could see them both being... I Honestly, I'll put it this way. They'll both be 1,000-yard receivers next year. I don't okay. doubt that. I think that's possible. But as far as the running impact, I don't think Tyreek will have it. This, this seems kind of like some uh, coaching politics, like from Mike McDaniel, if that makes sense. Like yeah. so with with Tyreek Hill, but I mean they also have I mean Devontae Parker is probably going to be on the trade block. Mm-hmm. So they have Jalen Waddle, Mike Jasicki, one of the most athletic tight ends in the league as far as receiving goes, and they just added Chase Edmonds, who is known for his receiving game prowess. Right. So they, you have all these other people that are eating into it, and coming from the Chiefs, it's very similar for him. Like you know, with an elite, uh, a way better tight end with Kelsey. And then Edwards Hilaire being the pass catching running back. I'm just curious with McDaniels, how much of it is fake? And I mean, I it seems like the ball's gonna be spread around a lot. A thousand yards receiving for Tyree Kill is definitely not absurd, though. I believe in that. I I don't believe in the Debo role though, just because of the amount of weapons that they have. But who knows? Maybe they do do it. Uh, there's so many question marks, and it all comes back down to like, Tua. can Tua be a threat? Yeah. That's everything hinges on Tua's ability. That, that's what I was saying earlier. And that's what when scares it goes me the most. His accuracy is fucking horrible. It's terrible. He can't throw the ball that far. Exactly. He doesn't have the arm strength. Once it goes past right, like 15, but, 20, it's a total crapshoot. But I mean, hopefully he fixes it. With the speed of Waddle and Hill, he doesn't need to throw the ball more than 15 yards in the air because like they have, they'll create so much separation because of their speed that they're going to break open and then make guys miss in the open field. Like Tyreek Hill wasn't like strictly a downfield threat. How many times no. did he get get the ball short and like make plays and make a sixty yard gain, you know, and a touchdown off of a wide receiver screen? They're both capable of doing that. I'm a Raiders right. fan. I have plenty of PTSD. <laughs> Trust me, I know. How how far do you think uh Tyreek Hill drops in ADP? And do you see Jalen Waddle kind of sitting around where he was last year, or is he skyrocketing or is he well, I mean, I would think Waddle certainly was going to skyrocket anyway. He was a rookie receiver last year. I think his ADP was, right. you know, was low as it was. So he's going to come up. I wouldn't, I think Tyreek Hill, who last year was, you know, back-end first-round pick for most drafts, um, or early second-round pick, probably drops a little bit. Um, personally, I would like, if I could get him in the third, I'd be super happy. And I think you could see Waddle going um, pretty shortly after. I think you're going to see a pretty similar ADP for them. You're not worried about overpaying at all. With the question marks at hand. Um, I'm a little more worried about overpaying for Waddle, but not Tyreek. Tyreek Hill has such a strong, a long history. I know it's a new team and stuff like that, but like we've seen how much of a game changer he is. As long as you get the ball in his hands anyway, he's going to put produce points for you. I would slightly disagree. I I have faith in Waddle. Um, I, I think what we saw last year is his floor. 
You can't really get. Um, I don't think he'll be do much worse than that with what he was working with. It's kind of a slow start. Then they really started going to him. Oh yeah, throughout the season. Yeah, he came along really good around the mid mid season. Yeah, and Didn't he uh, break ta- rookie records for targets and receptions. So I mean. Yeah, it was a good year. You'd yeah. be the guy, I don't know. You're the guy that knows that kind of cool shit on our podcast. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, I had Jalen Waddle on a couple of teams last year, so I was paying real close attention to him. And I have more faith in Waddle reproducing what he did than Tyreek Hill reproducing um, three quarters of what he did with the Chiefs just because it's a new environment. But, I mean, it's Jalen Waddle with Tua. They have that history together. Yep. I honestly, I understand where you're coming from with like Tyreek. You'd be happy with him. Yeah, around like the top of the third, something like that, in the third round. I personally wouldn't. I I would. Um, I, I'd rather have Jalen Waddle on that. So team. you're seeing Jalen Waddle as the bigger value right now with Tyree coming to the Miami Dolphins. That's what I would think with Tyree Hill being a little bit higher on the age scale. He's not old by any means, but he's been around for a minute now. It's been like six, seven years. So he he seems like the perfect distraction. Is he going to produce? Of course he's going to produce. It's Tyree Hill. But it seems like the perfect distraction for what he's trying to do with the run game in the for the Dolphins. So wait, are you saying that just because of where you think their ADP is going to land? Like Waddle's the better play because he'll have the a better lower value. ADP. Yeah, yeah, better value. Yeah, they, they will have similar point totals, is what I'm thinking, and the, okay. the ADP is going to be vastly get, different. Yeah. That's pretty much where I'm getting now. Yeah, gotcha. great, okay. great question. Thank you for okay. doing that. Yeah, I could see that for sure. Um, but let's move on because we got the whole NFC to cover here. Oh yeah, um, we spent a good amount of time on that. If you have more players on Tyreek Hill, huge move. Yeah. Hey, I mean, honestly, give us your opinion on that too, because like this divide, this has divided a lot of the fantasy world, like on what's going to happen there. So, like, throw us your opinion on on Twitter. Right, right. Yeah, no one really knows. <laughs> so, hey, to we'll kind of counter what I was saying, there's plenty of examples of veteran receivers finding new teams middle to late in their careers. It sounds crazy to say about Tyreek Hill, but he's definitely middle in his career, at least mid to late. And they've had great fucking seasons. True. All right, let's start off with the worst division in football. <laughs> <laughs> NFC least. The NFC East. Uh, and let's move right to everyone's favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, re-signed wide receiver Michael Gallup on a five-year, $57.5 million deal. That includes $23 million fully guaranteed. And has a max value of sixty-two and a half million. So, the deal also includes a ten million dollars signing bonus. Um, obviously, they lost Amari Cooper, um, or let him go. Um, I would say let him go. Jerry Jones basically said they let him go. <laughs> well, they traded him. Of course, he let him go. <laughs> yeah, well, he, uh, he was. Jerry Jones basically said he wasn't worth his monetary value. Yeah, they. Uh, it was a twenty million dollar cap. It like come shipped on. him for pack even of even though we have varying opinions on Amari Cooper. Like I think he's better than you think he than Trey thinks he is. Twenty million is still a lot for Amari Cooper. That is a lot, no doubt about it. Way too much. Uh, about uh, twenty times too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm exaggerating. But. So obviously the Cowboys think Gallup could be the Amari Cooper replacement. Um, still have C.D. Lamb there. Uh, Michael Gallup a little bit bigger. Um, they also signed James Washington to a one-year deal, um, and signed Dalton Schultz on the franchise tag. How do you guys feel about Michael Gallup? That's the biggest question here. Was C.D. Lamb still in the picture? Dalton Schultz. Is Michael Gallup going to give 
a top 24 wide receiver finish? Is he going to be worth a wide receiver two, wide receiver um, three? He's probably closer to a flex play, only because he hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy. Yep. And also on top of that, he's shown to be an amazing deep threat. Like he makes some some deep ball catches and gets his feet feet along the along the sideline that like you can't believe he does. Like he, like some of his toe taps are impressive as hell. But he hasn't shown a lot more than that. You know that that deep sideline threat. And obviously they don't need him to be more than that because they have CD Lamb. But I think with that being the case, like you're banking on him, you know, getting four or five catches a game, but hoping that they're deep threats. So you're talking about, you know, 80 yards and possibly a touchdown. So with that being the case, I'm talking like he's a flex play and receiver two would be way too rich for my blood. Not to mention the signing of James Washington, I think, is actually interesting, too. James Washington has shown some ability in Pittsburgh before. And then you had the emergence of Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool that kind of overshadowed him. So I think James Washington going to a, a new place, which where he's from Dallas, the Cowboys were his hometown team. So I think that is a big deal. And him being the third receiver who can like work the slot more, I think he's going to eat into a lot of what Gallup does. I, I was going to ask you, is it, am, am I mistaken, but James Washington's a slot guy. He is, yeah. But I think him working the middle of the field with Dalton Schultz, and then you have like the short throw with CeeDee Lamb who can you know, break from anywhere, then Gallup's strictly like a deep threat. That means that you're just limiting what Gallup can, how many targets Gallup is going to get in a single game. Okay, I, I'm with that for sure because I think the two people you want on the Dallas Cowboys receiving wise this year is going to be CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz. Right. And after that, it's kind of a toss up. But with what you're saying, I would be more inclined to have James Washington on my team than Michael Gallup, which is crazy because Michael Gallup's been having a lot of hype these last few years. Yep. And I think this is the year I let that hype go. I'm done with it. So Dalton Schultz is interesting to me. Um, franchise tag. Obviously, he wants to prove he's worth a big money contract. He's in a good offense. He's got a good quarterback. Top five tight end finish within the realm of realities for Dalton Schultz. Well, obviously. I mean, have we seen the tight end ranks? Like, Okay, top three. I was okay. gonna say I think we need to adjust it to top three just yeah, because okay. the the tier sure. is so different from tier one to tier two. Yeah, even um, then there's like a tier one A and a tier one B, and even that's vastly different. He's, so he's can he, tier two? Can he deliver a top three tight end performance? No, I don't think so. I think you. I think he's gonna fall right into like that top five spot, like five legitimately, maybe six legitimately. Yeah, tier two, but, which is a starting tight end. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's a startable tight. He's absolutely start. He's a week in week out starting at tight end because right. Like the, uh, yeah. the position sucks, but he's not in the realm of no Mark more Andrews. Blake Jarwin, or he's gone. Yeah, and he barely played last year, anyways. But like, right. he's not Mark Andrews. He's not Travis Kelsey. He's not going to be those guys. So he is absolutely in tier two. I'm one hundred percent with Trey here. Okay. Uh, moving on to the New York Giants quarterback Tyrod Taylor signed a two-year, eleven million dollar deal with a max value of seventeen million with incentives. Uh, running back Matt Breida signed a one-year deal. Tight end Ricky Seals Jones, our boy, signed a free agent. Our boy, why do you have to the fucking Giants? Well, no more um, slippery fingers. There's no Evan Ingram, I know, but he still has Daniel Jones throwing the ball. Uh, Wait, true. What's Evan 
Evan Ingram's name? What'd you say? What's up, man? <laughs> slippery fingers. <laughs> yeah. uh, not, not stinky fingers. I thought he said stinky fingers. Like, nah, man. No, better no, show no, some man, respect. That's been, that's been copyrighted. First time older than his ass. Uh, he's out. No, yeah, but my boy Ricky fingers. Seals, dude. Like, hey, I, I, I like me some Ricky Seals jokes. I he's do too. I don't player. like. I don't. I, he is. I agree. I think much he, better than Evan Ingram. Like, he can catch the ball. Yeah. So that. that's a good start. Honestly, I don't like him on on New York though. That's that's a shitty position. Daniel Jones throwing the ball. Yeah. If Daniel Jones can even get him the ball, not to mention like, I mean they have. Uh, so you're 100 percent out on Daniel Jones. There's no future. I give him one more year. That's what we've been saying. One more. All right. This not, is what not, his, not for fantasy. Don't don't put him on your fantasy team for one more year. <laughs> you're saying let like, Dayball have a have a shot at it, and if it doesn't work, then okay. You know, Daniel and Jones. being with Dayball as his head coach, like before you get too deep into that, I, I just want to say don't let Daniel Jones. Scare you away from drafting Giants players. Am I saying to be high on Giants players? No. But don't let the fact that Daniel Jones has not been a great quarterback shy you away from drafting one of these guys late in the rounds, and you might have a great fucking get a great receiver out of that. Sterling Shepard's capable of it. Kadarius Tony showed flashes. There's definitely uh, some gambling kind of like uh, risk to take with the Giants. Don't let Daniel Jones scare you away. Sorry to cut you off. Please no, go no. on. And that, honestly, what you just said with the receivers, that's one of the reasons why Ricky Seals-Jones scares me. One, I don't trust a whole lot in Daniel Jones. I understand, like, letting Dayball, you know, do what do what he does. Um, he did, you know, wonders with with uh, Josh Allen. Thank you. Um, you know, in, in Buffalo. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, the Giants have a decent plethora of receivers they're like like they're not all like i don't think they have a true like number one receiver there at the moment but they have like four guys that are all capable receivers they're the b team chargers of the east <laughs> what the b team chargers <laughs> okay of the east? I, i'm reaching deep with that sorry yeah, that's I just pretty deep. Threw that out there. we're talking about a team that has good weapons on it it's just like is it going to come to fruition the chargers have been like that for the last five years or so chargers are looking pretty they're good looking good year. now but two years ago you know what I'm saying? With the weapons they had, yeah. Eckler, Williams. The, the uh, Chargers have always choked. Always. Yeah. In the playoffs, but that does not matter for us fantasy players. No. They okay, that's fair. During the season. <laughs> that's fair. They, they that's produced fair. during the that's season. That's, that's what I'm getting at. And they got John Feliciano at center. Shit. Former Raider. Shout out to the Giants. Yeah, I just, <laughs> well, I don't know. With the Giants, it's just like you have Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Kadarius Tony all there. Who again are all very capable receivers? So yeah. where does Ricky Seals Jones fit in? This? Especially when, even though we knew Evan Ingram can't catch, but like he even then he didn't get many targets in the offense either. Right. So they don't look to go to the tight end. And if you look at the history, well, that's because they had Evan Ingram. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, but okay, but hold on. There's go. a reason why they brought in Ricky Seals Jones. Like there can be you can sway that argument however you want to sway it. Like if I'm a head coach, am I going to be targeting Evan Ingram? regularly I mean, no he, he was a first round draft pick yeah of course he was but they quickly realized what they had in evan ingram that is not a franchise tight end i'm not sure about evan ingram's blocking ability because i'll be honest i don't watch a lot of giants it games it, 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 the opportunity rarely we're in the pacific northwest the opportunity to watch a giants game is very rare well, even with the streaming games you gotta watch film don't don't call us out okay but you know what i'm saying but Ricky Seals Jones, if I'm right, I'll, I'll be looking up here in a second just to fact check it. But he's someone who can play ninety plus percentage of snaps, which is mad yeah. crucial as a fantasy tight end. 
Yes, he will yeah, I'll play give the that. whole game. But and when it comes to Brian Dayball, they don't target the tight end that much. Last year was the first year that they t- uh, targeted a tight end in a major capacity. Dawson Knox finally had 71 targets last year, even though he missed a few games. But before that, his highest targets were 15. He was still tar- the starting tight end there for three years. Right. But so they don't use we, the we tight end. We do know that it, it does take some years for tight ends to develop in the league and actually become worthy of being a receiving threat. On average, most tight ends, they don't uh, come to their full potential until year three, at least. Y'all got me torn between because Ricky Stills Jones got the size for a blocker probably coming into his own as a receiver, like you're saying, Jim. I also see what you're saying. We saw Kirby it in Washington. With right? DeBall, not really. Is it Dable? DeBall? What Dable. is it? Dable. Okay, I, I, DeBall. He's got to move DeBall. <laughs> in my mind, that's his name, DeBall. But what I'm getting at is it, it's a great point. Historically, with Dawson Knox, when he was offensive coordinator. Yeah, Dawson Knox didn't come into the league and ready to set the league on fire at the tight end position. That was what I'm saying. And that's normal is also what I'm saying. Most tight ends take at least three years to to do anything in the in the league. Right, but we got Ricky Seal in his sixth year, and then with Dawson Knox, his usage, do you, see, do you see a decent amount of usage on there for his career, like snap percentage or anything like that? Or no. We won't be diving too deep into this, but at the same time, this might help you win a goddamn championship. I'm telling you, figuring out those tight ends in the top ten, this is a big fucking deal. It's, a, it's always a crapshoot. I think bottom line is Ricky Seals Jones has some ability. He's a he's now a veteran tight end. He showed capability in Washington. Um, and I agree with all that. I love Ricky Seals Jones. I loved him the last couple of years. He's shown what he can do. But and I think I once, just don't like the. His his place in within the Giants' offense. Sure, and yeah, and I get that a hundred percent. It could be the fourth target. You know what I mean? Maybe even fifth. Yeah, I think like Saquon's back there, who we all know is a great pass catcher too. If they actually use him, right? Do they still use him? I doubt it. Uh, it well, again, well, with, you, had, you had in Dayball, and then you know, who knows? DeBall. So it's I think we can all agree <laughs> he's on the East Coast. Actually, on the East Coast, probably, yo, Brian DeBall, you got to move the ball. The ball. The ball. He's probably uh, a good sleeper candidate for tight ends. Can we agree on that? I could definitely agree on that. I'll I'll agree with you on sleeper. I just don't trust it. Okay. Okay, As we know, if you're a new listener to the podcast, I'm the weirdo about tight ends and defenses. I pay way too much attention to tight ends and defenses, even though they score. He loves a good tight end. A minimal amount of points. Yeah, I love me a good tight end, man. I got to stick it in there. (laughs) Moving on. For the whole season. Philadelphia Eagles. All I'm saying is I believe Ricky Seals-Jones would definitely be, um, at the very least, a worthy waiver flyer. Yeah. So as someone to keep an eye on, like if you if you do the watch list thing on fantasy, which you definitely should be doing using the watch list, add them to your watch list. Right. Moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, running back Boston Scott was re-signed to a one-year, $1.75 million deal. <laughs> Raking it in. Yeah, that almost made me choke. Uh, worth up to $2.25 million with incentives. One point one million guaranteed. Uh, they also signed wide receiver Zach Pascal from the Indianapolis Colts. Nobody cares. <laughs> I don't. Honestly, neither one of these signings like mean jack. So, well, uh, I think Pascal. Nope. <laughs> nope. They're trying to replace their terrible, terrible draft pick in Jalen Rager, who, as everyone that's you know, pretty sure he's still on the team. He is. Yeah, but why? 
Well, because he's under contract and like <laughs> I they know, have no one that, else. I know exactly. Let's just um, be real. Pastor they Devontae need Smith, they, they they don't know what they're doing. Okay, honestly. It's Devontae Smith and it's Zach Pascal. The, the biggest thing, and we'll touch on this more in the coming then weeks. Then it's Jalen In the coming weeks, we're going to be going over our rankings for you know college athletes coming in at each position. Yeah. And that's going to be a good one, folks. Trust for the Eagles, yeah. And when it comes to the Eagles, the Eagles have three picks in the first round, all right in the middle. They, work. they have 15, 16, and 19, I believe. They are in prime position to get one of the top receivers. They are. And that's where they're going to ch- make a difference here. They're not anything they've done free agency-wise. Like, what they've done so far, like, Zach Pascal's what, he's done what in the league? Nothing. Yeah, I mean, he was decent when given opportunity in, in Indianapolis. There's I mean, been flashes, but just not enough volume. I mean, uh, he, he had, like, the front one... front office, sorry to cut you uh, off. Go for it. They, they've been, the Colts front office, I want to say Jim Irsay, but probably not him. He's the owner. Right. They they said that Zach Pascal is a touchdown machine around this time last year. Yeah, yeah. Like no, they, they, they liked know what him. he's capable of, but they yeah. liked him. He's a touchdown machine, huh? He had three touchdowns last year. <laughs> well, his usage <laughs> and is they, so and, minimal. And those, and those came in the first two weeks. His usage is, is terrible. It's but, very minimal, uh, and it's not something that I, I have on my fantasy. But he also like had radar. Carson Wentz as his quarterback. Okay. If you want to – he's been in the league for four years now. He has 15 total touchdowns. Yeah, you want, you want to do the average on that, guys? It's less than four. Gear. I'm not saying Zach oh, Pascal is oh, okay. Gonna, How many targets though for a year? We're not saying Zach Pascal is going to be a, a world burner. I'm just saying um, they definitely needed another threat at wide receiver. They needed another body that you know could do something. Jalen Rager is done. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. I just don't think Zach Pascal is the answer. Right, and he's probably not. But someone in you know. He's worth keeping on the radar for yeah. deeper leagues. I think there's, I, an, I think there's another receiver coming out of Alabama that fits real nice with with the trio of Bama guys there right now. Yeah, for yeah, sure. A little, nice little foreshadowing. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You know, they like drafting wide receivers. Obviously, they took Jalen Rager. Yeah, they're not very good at it, but they probably should have taken. Some but but Jamison Williams but, is a very good prospect. I like him a lot. So yeah, oh, way to ruin it. I was gonna say, wait a couple of weeks. We'll okay. tell you who it is. Oh, I mean, there's one Alabama receiver in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> they would have known. Yeah. So I mean, that's it for the Philadelphia Eagles so far. Um, we'll obviously be touching on rookies um, in a future episode. Washington Commanders. We are commanders. <laughs> <laughs> he just had to do it. Um, <laughs> you know the issue? I've heard, I heard this from PTI and Tony Kornheiser, who has, here's the issue. Like, every team name people shorten, right? Like, like Sure, like naturally. This, yeah, like the Pack, Seahawks become the Hawks. Um, I guess for I guess not all of them. Like the Raiders don't really have an, a shorter nickname. But the Raiders. That's, that sounds like a longer nickname. <laughs> um, but it's the best one. But most teams like they get shortened down, right? The Washington Commanders will <laughs> become the Commies. Yeah, it's not no, a good. What about the the Commands? The Washington Commands. Honestly, <laughs> I, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I'm just tossing things. I don't out know how you guys feel about this, but like I feel like. They should have kept the Washington football team. It was unique. It was different. And I it had a nice little you know, feel to it. I liked it. The commanders sound stupid. Yeah, I'm totally it's with terrible. that. Yeah, it's terrible. Plus, I, think, I mean, their popularity is going to rise and fall with the popularity of the president now. They wanted a, I don't know. I would have kept football team, but they wanted to come up with something super generic and whatever. Yeah, we're <laughs> from the other Washington. It's a lot better up in the Northwest. <laughs> Um, okay, so Carson Wentz obviously was acquired in a trade with the Indianapolis Colts. 
um, along with a 2022 seventh round pick in exchange for a 2022 third rounder and a 23 third rounder. Disrespect. Uh, which can turn into a second rounder based on Wentz's snap totals um, in the upcoming season. Sounds familiar. That's why the Eagles got a, another first round pick. So uh, the other only other move to mention right now is running back J.D. McKissick, who was going to sign with the Buffalo Bills and then crushed all of our Antonio Gibson Ah, dreams. wishes and dreams uh, by choosing to re-sign with the Washington Commanders instead and back out of his Buffalo deal. He signed on a two-year, $7 million deal with the Commanders. So I think the biggest thing here, like Carson Wentz, whatever. Um, the biggest thing here is Antonio Gibson, right? Yeah. So he Scary went, Terry, too. He went from... You know, RB2 territory to RB1 with J.D. McKissick leaving town. Back to RB2 territory, in my opinion. Definitely. Was hurt all year last year. Is, you know, is Antonio Gibson worth, we saw him going a lot in second rounds last year. Is he still worth a second round draft pick in your guys' opinion? Or are you passing on him in, in redraft leagues? Uh, you mentioned already he was hurt most of all, all last year. You know he only missed one game. He was hurt in almost every game of the season. He still finished as as running back 12 yeah. in PPR format. Yeah, still top 12 finish. So, yeah. If, if he's available in the second round, absolutely. Okay. Not I mean, and J.D. McKissick was there. J.D. McKissick played his normal snaps and all right. that stuff. So, like, yeah, and Tony Gibson should be fine. He should still be your... You know, low end. He's a low end running back one or a high end running back two. So you'd be okay. Let's say you drafted a receiver round one. You're okay with Antonio Gibson being your RB one. Well, at that point, you don't have a choice. You draft a receiver round one. Right. You know, at that point, he's probably your best bet uh, at running back. So I mean, it depends on the way you, your draft strategy at that point, where you you land in terms of the draft slot. If you decide to go, you know, receiver heavy and you go receiver, running back, receiver, then like Antonio Gibson's not a terrible option at running back one. He's probably your best option, honestly. Yeah. God, I hate how true that is. <laughs> like in round two, maybe I'm old school, but in round two, you should be able to pick up an RB1 that you're not worried about. And with Antonio Gibson, I'm definitely worried if I'm drafting as him as my RB1 in round two. I would think it depends on where in round two. If you're at the beginning of round two, yeah, it might be a little little strong. But end of round two, like who who's gonna be better at that point? Yeah, that's a good point. It, coming from someone who's had you know Antonio Gibson in our home league for the last two years, it's been a bit frustrating. <laughs> you know, luckily he was always kind of my RB two. Um, so there's other guys that I picked up that I could shuffle him in and out with, but. You know, I've always wanted to be able to just plug Antonio Gibson in and not have any concerns, but there's games where he will give you three fantasy points. See, yeah. and that's where my problem Four is. Four fantasy points. If it's, it's round two and I'm drafting somebody, I, I'm not I'm not looking for uncertainty. Yeah. The first two rounds, I need a certain person. That you I want consistency. Just, I, I Leave them. Just put them in and leave them. Yeah. Besides the bye week. That's what I'm looking for. 
So, I mean, it's honestly, been super frustrating. If, if you're sure. drafting a wide receiver round one, you might as well go with a zero running back strategy. I'll, if we're talking about like the current landscape with fantasy, if you're going wide receiver round one, just go with zero running back for the first couple of rounds. Because at that point, you're going into such uncertainty, in yeah. my opinion, with running backs that you might as well just get another another receiver. Stud receiver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for the first like, two rounds. <laughs> maybe even the first three, honestly. I, I'd rather have the stud receiver than Antonio Gibson in round two. But, I mean, that's me in March. Especially if you're full PPR, half PPR, it changes a little bit. But, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and, and I'm kind of with you there. Well, I think if it's not full PPR, it's even more important like to... stay away from those uncertain running backs if that makes sense sure i don't know it, it puts more pressure on them like without ppr the running back value drops so much that you might as well just go full in at that point yeah but that that's my opinion we all draft differently the three of us we think a lot differently about drafts and i went zero running back in a league that we had and it worked out okay for me but i didn't win the ship and if i would have got a running back round one who knows what would happen right uh, moving on to the NFC North, uh, let's start with the Chicago Bears. Uh, wide receiver Brian Pringle was signed to a one-year, $4 million contract, fully guaranteed, with a potential of $2 million more in incentives. They also signed wide receiver Equinemius St. Brown Bravo to a one-year on that, contract. On that pronunciation. Hey, he's a Packer, so I know his name. <laughs> hey, you better get that right. Um, so, anything here? I mean, they lost Allen Robinson. Obviously, he's moved on. Um, you have Mooney still. You still have Mooney. Is Byron Pringle their wide receiver too now? <laughs> Sorry. Like, uh, honestly, this these signings are. Like what? Like what are the Bears doing? I know I I understand losing Allen Robinson is one thing, and I know he had a bad season, but like him being on the field still made a difference to what Darnell Mooney could do. Yeah, because Allen Robinson has the you still had to respect Allen. Yeah, Robinson, yeah, right? he still had had the had the you know, um, I can't think of the word. You you had to respect yeah like okay well let's go with respect <laughs> we'll clout, go with that. clout skill clout yeah the uh, the legacy the tradition sure. I don't, you know whatever he's done reputation? in the past Repu- thank you God that's the word I was looking for yeah, yeah. here I come thank you we'll find yeah we'll he had find the reputation the, the of being a great receiver so you had to still account for him and now you don't Byron Byron Pringle and Equinemius St Brown have no nothing in terms of reputation right so like what you're gonna like sure like you could you could double darnell mooney who else are you like who else do you have to worry about in this offense nobody yeah nobody um i mean byron pringle in my opinion probably worth about as much as a can of pringles exactly if short I, a short can real at the cast station right i mean uh ourlads.com has his has him projected to be the slot receiver and that's technically um, kind of where he's fit his role with the Chiefs during his his career. I, I expect nothing major out of that, like at all. Byron Pringle, not a big deal. Equinemius St. Brown, I'm not excited. I get excited by seeing St. Brown. Wrong St. Brown, though. <laughs> he's, a, he's, on a, he's elsewhere in the AFC nor- or NFC North. Yeah, right. 
The other St. Brown is speaking who you want to of the to. Detroit Lions. Hey yo, uh, they've made some moves at receiver though as well. Yeah. So we'll see where how you feel about this St. Brown, but they signed wide receiver DJ Shark to a one-year, $10 million deal, fully guaranteed. Uh, they also re-signed Josh Reynolds on a two-year deal with a max value of $12 million. Now, um, my or our kind of take once Josh Reynolds came to this team last year was that it really kind of opened up the field for Amin Ra, St. Brown. That was definitely your take, and it was completely accurate. It was, yep. Yeah. And called it. We yeah, we saw Amon Ra St. Brown finally, you know, emerge as a, a weapon in the offense and, and really put up some incredible uh game in terms of fantasy yeah. uh points. Best receiver in the league the last like what six weeks, but only behind Cooper Cup. Like he put up major numbers. So I guess the big question here and obviously Amon Ra St. Brown has been a hot topic throughout the offseason because of his strong finish. People were talking about, you know, trading him in Dynasty all over Twitter and throughout the community. Where do you guys think Amon Ra's, you know, St. Brown's value stands now with DJ Shark in town and Josh Reynolds coming back? I think it increases. It makes me like... It makes me like him more because he's more of a uh, mid to downfield threat is what it seems. More, more of a midfield threat. But DJ Shark is definitely a shorter, uh, in his history, a, a, a short field threat. I'm, I'm curious how they're going to use him. But with them bringing Josh Reynolds back, that, that brings a lot of confidence with Amon Ross St. Brown's performance for me. Because as you said, when Josh Reynolds was around, Amon Ross was killing it. Then you bring in DJ Shark. Adds a little bit of confusion, right? To me, it doesn't because it seems like they're still going to kind of like the league seems to have paid him to be a Debo Samuel type guy. So I'm curious if they're going to use him the same way. And if they do continue to try to use DJ Shark like the Jaguars did, like like a short, short yardage receiver getting all like, you know, motion before the snap, stuff like that. I like Amon Ross St. Brown even more. I'm curious what you guys think because with these guys in the, in the fold, honestly, it, it makes me like him even more. Yeah, it feels like um, it's more distractions, right? You know, Chark and your and Reynolds are your uh, X and Y, right? Your two outside receivers, and Amon Ra is in the middle, um, slot receiver. Your Z uh, making making things happen across the middle and in within the short game. So I, I, you know, I, I do agree with you. I, I think um, it opens things up a little bit, right? Um, defenses have to account for Shark and Reynolds on the outside, and that frees up Amon Ra St. Brown in the middle. It's, it's either going to be good for Amon Ra or um, DeAndre Swift. If who's, we're being the, real. who's the first receiver? Someone's going to benefit off the board, though. For the DJ, like oh, probably Solomon Ra. Yeah, I would think so. It's he won too many people too much money. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Honestly, my only concern is like this offense could have like a sneaky amount of mouths to feed now with Shark and Reynolds plus Almond Ra through the middle. Hawkinson is going to come back after his injury riddled season, yeah. and you and like you said, you also have DeAndre Swift out of the backfield, who's a great pass catcher then too. Not to mention Jamal Williams, who is a pass catching back almost strictly. 
So like you have a lot of guys that could end up, you know, eating into touches for any one player here, which scares me a little bit um, in terms of like traditional football. I think that's actually great for the Lions. It means that they could actually have a decent offense next year. But in terms of an individual fantasy player, I don't know. It makes me a little. I mean, obviously, I I still love Almond Raw. I loved him coming into last year. So he's still going to be, be like my guy in this offense. But I have a little bit of concern. This might be a corner thing to say, but Detroit seems like a very blue-collar team, which traditionally in America, Detroit's a very blue-collar city. But it seems like finally Detroit's kind of reclaiming the, um, not the vibe, that's a horrible way to say it, but like the vibe of the city, reclaiming you know the feeling of the city, getting back to that blue-collar, dirty work, we get down and we get results. Yeah. They take it out kneecaps. Right. So what I'm getting at is, like, um, basically, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? And Amon Ross ain't brown. It, it might seem like a fluke, but it's not a fluke. There's no way. There's no way you produce for that long consistently at the end of the season. We're talking seven, like, top five wide receiver finishes. That's not a fluke. There's no way. We're seven in a row. Yeah. Like, not even missing a week. Amon Ross St. Brown, I'll be so disappointed if he's not at least wide receiver two next year. Yeah, how high does that ADP creep, though? That's what I, you know, as I was just about to ask. Is he drafted as a wide receiver two next year? And if so, are you comfortable with that? I'd be looking to get him as a flex, I'll be honest, with all these weapons. But it's a, a it feels like a boomer bust flex. Like It, it could yeah. be a flex that moves into... Sounds crazy, but maybe wide receiver one. Who knows how their offense is moving next year, but if they really try to give this guy the ball eight-plus times a game, this guy's wide receiver one. I think, honestly, it's going to be weird. I think that Amon Ra's, like ADP next year is going to end up being all over. I think some people are going to way overvalue him, and other leagues will like completely undervalue him. Sure. Because um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went as early as like round like five. It'll be the guys who... He won them championships or playoff yeah. games. And they're playing emotionally. They're the people drafting high. The people who have no idea they were out of the playoffs, didn't have Amon Ross St. Brown, and they're not paying attention to the offseason shit, they're not going to care about Amon Ross St. Brown. Right. So this is someone you really got to keep an eye on because it's someone you can grab, hopefully in the middle rounds, who could really, really produce for you. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of where his ADP settles, and we'll obviously be talking about that in future episodes. Um, So keep an ear out for that. But let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. Um, As a part owner of the Green Bay Packers, uh, (laughs) QB Aaron Rodgers uh, signed an extension. It's paying him $150.815 million over the next three years with $101.5 million fully guaranteed. Uh, the new deal drops his 2022 salary cap, though. His salary cap hit by about $18 million. So it frees up some cap space for the Packers overall. Uh, but as we all know, they still lost Devontae Adams. Um they did sign wide receiver Allen Robinson to a second-round restricted free agent tender. Allen Lazard. What did I say? Robinson. Oh, Allen Lazard. We'll get to him later. <laughs> second, hey, me off. A second-round restricted free agent tender worth $3.9 million. They also re-signed Robert Tunyon, 
um, at the tight end position. Oh, what are the Packers going to do in the passing game? I, I feel like this is something that you have to take over, really, because um, as someone who is not a Packers fan, just from the outside looking in, Randall Cobb, not I'm not interested in him in fantasy. Alan Lazard, I, I'll be honest, I'm not really interested in him in fantasy. I've, I've seen what he can offer. So, I mean, who on the Packers is going to be, like, that dude? Are they going to be drafting somebody? Like, obviously, Aaron Jones is a real threat out of the backfield, but you got A.J. Dillon emerging. Robert Tunyon is um, he's a solid tight end, but he's not a great tight end. Right. So, I mean, it's like, who's going to step up for this quarterback that's going to throw probably 40 touchdowns and five interceptions? Like, uh, that's what I really want to know. Yeah, it's tough, man. Like, okay, so they have Alan Lazard. They have Amari Rogers, rookie last year, second year, um, and Randall Cobb. And beyond that, that you know, that's who they have pretty much. Uh, this sounds fucking horrible. Right. Uh, they're that's in a because posi- it is. They're in a position <laughs> right? where they could draft uh, a receiver. Um, if they don't draft a receiver in the first round, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. There are some some pretty good prospects that they could draft um, coming into this draft. There's some some good rookie. There's a pretty good rookie class at the there wide is, receiver yeah, position. Notoriously deep this year. Yeah, um, I feel like we said that every year now with with wide receivers. Yeah, the, well, they're getting better and better, right? Um, yeah. So they could look to the draft to bring in someone that is maybe more of a wide receiver one outside kind of stud type of um prototype but we're also you know as the owners um looking to hopefully make another move in free agency and and maybe bring in a veteran that's you know still available but as of right now it's a toss-up right um any receiver that's playing with Aaron Rodgers is going to be somewhat valuable if there's if there's no Devontae Adams in the picture and you know Rodgers is going to have to spread the ball around but right now it's eh, like there's really no one guy here that can do what you would expect out of a true wide receiver one there there isn't i mean Alan Lazard has shown some flashes but like if he was a true number one, we would have seen more flashes from that. So it's got to be the draft. I don't foresee, like, unless they make a trade for somebody, there's no one in free agency-wise they're going to be able to sign that true. makes up for that. So I think it's to the draft. Um, personally, I'll throw a name out there. I like Traylon Burks from Arkansas, uh, end of the first round. I think he, he'll fall about that size only because he ran a little slower 40 time than we expected. But I think he's a really good receiver, and he's actually very similar to Devontae Adams. Um, probably not quite as fast. But he goes and makes the catch. So I like Traylon Burks in the, in the first round draft going to the Green Bay. So this seems like something, if you want to, in my, in my opinion, what it looks like, if you want to assess the Green Bay Packers, you got to come back to it after the draft. Because at this point, it, it's such a crapshoot. I mean, like right now, if you're looking at the roster, Jim, local Packers owner, Packers fan on the podcast, I mean, who who do you think is going to have the better fantasy finish? Like, Robert Tunyon, I think I'll just throw him out there, like, just not even include him because he's a tight end. But, like, I mean, it's Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, and according to com, Jawan Winfrey on the other side of receiver, and you got yeah. Randall Cobb in the slot. So, I mean, 
in reality, like Alan Lazard is probably the guy to go after at this point in the offseason. True, but you're not going after him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's not worth targeting in a trade right now in a dynasty league or anything like that. Um, there's There has to be another answer that they bring in. Um, there's got to be some competition that they bring in. Yeah, and you also have to keep this in mind, too, with Aaron Rodgers. He's never been a two-wide-receiver-relevant quarterback. He's always honed in on one guy. Always. Yo, it was Dalton Driver. If, if he has a guy... I will say when it is a crapshoot like this, what he does is spread the ball around a lot and see who wants to. He's always that number one guy, though. He had Donald Driver. He had Greg Jennings. He had Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams. And they were all there almost individually. And like one guy towards the end of the other guy's career kind of crept up. But he's always highlighted one guy. Almost Donald Driver. Hold on. Let me pull out my history. That's a way back. A lot of those guys were late round draft picks that they, you know, brought in and it took two, three, four years before they were... Well, shit, man. The Packers the, don't got two, three, no, four they years. Don't, they they got to win now. They need to win now, and so they're going to have to change up their strategy at the wide receiver position and really ramp someone up or, you know, bring in Julio Jones. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this right now. It's kind of a bold thing to say this early in the offseason, but choosing the right receiver on the Packers offense might help you win a championship. It's just a matter of choosing the right one. Yeah. The, the, uh, this early in the offseason with what they have, and let's, let's say they draft Traylon Brooks, right? He comes onto the roster. To me, it's still a toss-up between like him and Lazard, which is crazy to say. If they so, do like, draft uh, Brooks, he will have a higher ADP than Alan Lazard. There's no... I'd almost guarantee it. ...question. Um probably pretty significantly higher just because of what we've seen out of Traylon Briggs in college mm-hmm. um, and his ability. That alone would, would increase his ADP over Alan Lazard um, and make him the target yeah. in the offense. I honestly, I think if you truly believe Alan Lazard can be a consistent fantasy asset, then he could be one of the best values in the draft. But it's, do you truly believe that? I'll say this right now. If the Packers do draft a wide receiver in the first round, I bet you in fantasy drafts, that is the first rookie wide receiver off the board. Yeah, just because of the, the, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right. Aaron Rodgers in the offense. I can the, be with and the that. opportunity, yeah. To counter that, though, so they, they drafted Devontae Adams in 2013. He didn't even play. No. 2014. 66 targets, 38 receptions, 446 yards, three touchdowns. The next year, 94 targets, 50 receptions, 483 yards, one touchdown. He did not break out until his fourth year in the league, yep. and he only started seven games. So, I mean, it took Devontae Adams that long right. to break out. He wasn't that great when he came into the league. It, it took years of of uh, training and, you know, yeah, and they and stuck with him. He also him. wasn't a first round pick though; he was a second round pick. Yeah, well, yeah. he didn't have Derek Carr throwing him the ball anymore, so obviously things fell off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but now he's back with Derek Carr, so things will probably pick up. 
and that was also <laughs> eight. That was also eight years ago. Right, and they had some guys at receiver. They had Jordy. Yeah. And, not to mention, like receivers now are coming into the NFL much more ready to play NFL ball than they were back then. Right, right. The, the only reason I brought that up is because Devontae Adams, known as arguably one of the best receivers in the league right now, it, it took him that long to come along with a great quarterback under center. So even even if Traylon Burks is that good. I mean, we're reaching eight years back. It might be a little bit of a stretch to assume that a rookie receiver is going to do that good with Aaron right. Rodgers, someone who really believes in the system. I mean, honestly, I keep looking at Green Bay and just thinking, like, it, it's such a crapshoot and it's so open that, like, if you make the right decision with Green Bay, it's really going to be a big deal if you make the right decision. Yeah, we'll Big see gamble. what happens in the draft and, and the rest of free agency. But for now, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota? Uh, Minnesota. Quarterback Kirk Cousins signed a one-year, $35 million fully guaranteed extension that puts him under contract through 2023, reduces his 2022 cap number by almost $14 million. Um, Really... Not a whole lot to say here about the Minnesota Vikings. Um, same quarterback, same offense. I expect pretty much the same fantasy output uh, next year. Yeah, I pretty much do. I would. The one thing I re- that really comes to mind thinking about this resigning of Kirk Cousins is Adam Thielen is probably going to be really undervalued this year, ADP wise, with his injury um, through like the last. Well, he yeah, missed like four or five older. games, you yep. know, and KJ Osborne basically came in and filled in that role pretty well. But I don't think that one's going to be healthy this year. And assuming he plays the whole year, his ADP is going to be way lower than it should be. Adam Thielen's finished as at least a wide receiver, too, in fantasy. I'm not even looking at the stats. I just believe this shit for the last four years. Like, right. He He's... Um, I wouldn't say undeniable. He's not that close. That's like my favorite thing for fantasy right now is like undeniable guys. He's not undeniable, but Adam Thielen definitely gets it done. And when he's healthy, for sure, at least wide receiver two or more. So, I mean, with his ADP, this is someone you could draft. I mean, we're talking March right now, but this is, we're talking like sixth, seventh, eighth round. Adam Thielen be floating around. That might be a little too high, which is a great value for Adam Thielen, I think. Yeah, I agree with you um, for sure. I, you know, I think Adam Thielen has been a value in recent drafts and will be again next year, given the age and the injury coming back off that. He could be a steal in drafts, no doubt about it. Well, really the same with Kirk Cousins, too. Always undervalued. Oh, yeah, for Finishes sure. Finishes top 12 every fucking year, it seems like. Yeah, he's a you know one of those late-round quarterbacks that if you punt quarterback, you should draft Kirk Cousins. And for the last three or four years, every time I've punted quarterback, which I do every year for the most part, unless I get Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins is someone I'm looking for. Yep. So yeah. undervalued. He's, I mean, him and Tom Brady were on like the same ADP and like bo- both kind of undervalued, but these guys both are capable of finishing the top five if things go right. Right. And I mean, Kirk Cousins, like, uh, you said it perfectly. If you punt quarterback and Kirk Cousins available late in the draft and you're trying to just fill out your first quarterback, he's fucking perfect. Uh, moving on to the NFC South. Uh, let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, signed quarterback Marcus Mariota. 
on a two-year deal. Uh, he will earn $6.75 million in 2022, $1.75 million guaranteed base, $5 million signing bonus, and has a $12 million option for 2023. $5 million on the signing. Yeah, not a bad deal. He's Ooh. due a $3 million roster bonus on the fifth day of the league year next March. Um, they also signed running back Cordell Patterson, uh, or re-signed to a two-year deal, and signed running back Damian Williams to a one-year deal. Give me your thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons offense. I want to hear all from Trey, because Trey was all about this on Twitter when it first came out. And I don't necessarily hear them. I know like in our text thread, me and James were not agreeing, um, but... Trey's all about this about this matchup with or this pairing of Mariota and Patterson. So I want to hear from Trey. As you guys know, I don't give a fuck what you guys say. <laughs> like, I'm kidding. I, I do. I do. But I'll be honest. With this Falcons team, and I'm looking at it fantasy-wise, Marcus Mariota is a person that stands out to me. Cordero Patterson, obviously very interesting as far as being like, what right, running back, wide receiver. If you have someone in fantasy that can do both positions, that's great. But adding Damian Williams... They kept Mike Davis for whatever reason. It doesn't make sense to me. But Cordero Patterson, right? And then you got Kyle Pitts at tight end. Irby, I see you pulling it up. If you could pull up the depth chart for me, who they got a receiver. A bunch of names that I guarantee you none of us would know unless we're Falcons fans. They have nobody at receiver right now, right? Yeah. Uh, their top four guys are uh, <laughs> Olamide Zacchaeus, Auden Tate, Christian Blake, and Cordero Hodge. So, uh, yeah, you heard, like, one of those names, and only because it's fancy. Yeah, right. Olamide Zacchaeus. I'm pretty sure we're saying that right now, a year and a half into saying his goddamn name. But we'll see. But, I mean... Honestly, it, even if we're not, have him tell us. <laughs> God, if he hit us up and tell, told us, I'd be more than more than happy. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Olamide, or Olamide. Who knows? Who knows? Anyways, as, if we look at the Falcons fantasy-wise... Marcus Mariota is the one who stands out to me the most. Yes, I'm the Raiders fan. He was the backup quarterback on the Raiders for the last two years. Am I being biased? Barely. Like it, I'm being real. You're laughing at me, but I'm being real. Like he, barely, he saw very minimal time as a backup for the Raiders. When he did see backup time, and one time he did come in when Derek Carr got injured during a very crucial game, and he played phenomenal. He did. He was like He out. played great, and his legs are totally still there. So I think the couple of years that he's had to rest and sit behind Derek Carr, get get his feet back under him after that shit showing, uh, playing for the Tennessee Titans, getting sacked all the time, people thinking he's a bust, blah, 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 all these high expectations from Oregon. I really expect Marcus Mariota, I, at least I'm really hoping that he'll have a good season. Like, he's a candidate for me to finish as a starting QB1 just because of his rushing upside and the weapons they have with Cordero Patterson. I can see them running like, um, not necessarily like options, but very similar run heavy packages where Marcus Mariota thrives in. Every time the Raiders ran, ran a run heavy package where it was obvious, you're bringing a Marcus Mariota off of the sideline to do something. And he still got it done. This guy was getting like 40 yard runs when everybody knew it was going to happen. So, obviously, the runs are there. Marcus Mariota for me on the Falcons, that's the biggest fantasy addition I see. When I'm looking at that team, that's the person I'm interested in and grabbing as my backup quarterback, which I do not draft backup quarterbacks. I'll be honest, 
But if I did draft backup quarterbacks, that's who I would want. Someone who is very, very likely of breaking into that top tier of quarterbacks because of his rushing upside. You know, the, the, the one interesting thing about Mariota, though, he is reuniting with Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith was with the Titans when Mariota was a starter there. Um, he was mostly a tight ends coach, but he did become the offensive coordinator Mariota's last year with there, which happened to be the last year that he was a starter because he lost his job that year to, to Tannehill. Um, so that's a little weird. Like, how much does Arthur Smith really believe him? Obviously, he brought him in for a reason because he knows wh- who he is. Like, he knows wh- what Mariota, who Mariota is as a quarterback, as a player. He probably saw some growth from him, you know, being under John Gruden in Oakland or Las Vegas. Um, so that part's interesting. I don't know how much it bodes well to fantasy play. Trey, you could be right. Him being, you know, a borderline top 12 quarterback. I think there is a chance he's shown some flashes, but like the one game that we're talking about, it was like three quarters of a game. It wasn't a whole game. It wasn't multiple games. It wasn't a season, you know? So, and even when he was the starter in Tennessee, the one thing he was known for was inconsistency. He didn't have games where he looked great, but he could never put multiple games in a row. So, sure, when he gets a chance and like it changed, like, and the one thing with being in Las Vegas, it's really hard for defense to adjust to a new quarterback when that quarterback's style of play is completely opposite than Derek Carr. Derek Carr's a pocket passer. Mariota's a read option type of quarterback. When you can change the offense on a fly like that and the defense doesn't know how to adjust because they didn't game plan it for all week, of course he's going he's gonna to pop. So that's the way I would counter that. I think it is interesting that he is back with Arthur Smith. But, I mean, I'm not going there to where he's... I, I wouldn't agree with that he's a borderline startable so what quarterback that, yet. So, um, what does that say for Cordell Patterson? Can he repeat no. what he did last no. year? Cordell Patterson couldn't even repeat what he did in the first half of the season than the second half of the season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he fell off a cliff. And we all we talked about it a lot. Where, like, his touches were just were way out of control. He had never had that many touches ever in his life. Going back to his college career. Maybe in high school. I didn't go back that far to look at his, you know, stats from Florida or Florida high school, but I mean, there's no chance. I mean, sure. Like with Mariota, like the first six to eight weeks, I'm sure he'll be great. Yeah. And then he's going to probably fall off a cliff again. And there's nothing you can do about that. Yep. I agree with you. Uh, moving on to the Carolina Panthers, uh, running back Deontay Foreman signed a one year contract. Uh, they also re-signed uh, wide receiver DJ Moore to a three-year contract extension worth $61.9 million in new money and includes $41.6 million in guarantees. The new deal keeps him under contract through the 2025 season. DJ Moore has been inconsistent. Um, frustrating for fantasy managers, I think, um, is a good word. To use because he shows major talent, right? But the thing is, like as much as frustrating as he is, he's been a receiver too his entire career. True, like like and where he where he ranks in the last three years, he's finished as receiver 18, 23, so a little below, and then sixteen in the last three years. I'll eliminate his rookie season because he's a rookie. You know, you don't really hold that against him. But like that shows a lot of what he can be, and that's with inconsistent quarterback play and. Basically, Christian McCaffrey being the entire offense work yep. when he's on the field, so that makes a huge difference. And like, as frustrating as he can be, you should be playing him as at least your flex play week in and week out. 
yeah, do you think he can be a wide receiver too again next year? Who's who's throwing him the ball? Uh, right now, Sam Darnold is still throwing the ball. <laughs> yeah. I know they have the sixth pick, and I, I mean, and anybody who keeps up with drafts, like if the Panthers take a quarterback at the sixth pick, like they're doing. I'm sorry, this, this quarterback glass isn't great, right? And guys are going to get reached on. We know this. Um, they always so do. They always position. do. Yep. I hope six is not where they reach because, like, that's just. Honestly, I think if if they do that, Matt Rule just signed his his uh, resignation letter. <laughs> Honestly, because like it won't work out. But I think as long as like he's the full, he's the number one receiver in this offense, he's gonna be a you know he's a flex play for sure. He's a low end two guy. He's a high end flex play. So he's a flex you should be able to throw in week in and week out. Yeah, you just have to hope his ADP doesn't cost you a wide receiver two ticket, right? Um, I don't think he will, though, because I think, like us, I think people are super frustrated with him. Then you look at his stats, you're like, well, shit, like, he's not as bad as we actually think he is. Right. But you just expect more from him. Kind of like Scary Terry last year, like, you expect more, but he doesn't produce that. So, like... No pun intended. Expect more. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just one of those things, like, we're expecting him to become a receiver number one, and he maybe he's just not that. Yeah. He's a receiver too. Like that's who he is. Honestly, if he was on a t- on an offense where it had a true receiver number one, he'd probably blossom into a great player and be like a high end receiver too. Right. But being the receiver number one in this offense that has no other like pass catches that you can really have to worry about. Right. Like he is what he is. Inconsistent quarterback play as well. It hurts him. Yeah. Uh moving on to the New Orleans Saints quarterback Jameis Winston's re-signing a two-year $28 million deal that includes 15.2 guaranteed. Uh, they also signed Andy Dalton to a one-year $3 million deal and uh, Taysom Hill is being reported to be used primarily as a tight end next year. I'm calling bullshit on that. <laughs> <laughs> the sec- well, I don't know because like James Winston could end up shitting the bed again, as we've seen in his career. But now they have actually a viable backup quarterback to Andy Dalton, who we know can win win in this league. Whereas like last year they had what uh, Simeon was that his name? Trevor Simeon. Yeah, yep. Trevor Simeon. He was in. He was actually in Chicago now. Um, so like they had to turn to to Taysom Hill. I think now one okay. Here's the big thing. You know the reason why they're taking Taysom Hill to tight end one because he's not that good of quarterback. Two, they play him too much at quarterback. They're gonna have to pay him a lot of fucking money. Like that. Yep. Remember, we, we talked about this deal a lot when he signed it. This crazy, like, forty million dollar difference between whether he plays primarily a skill position or quarterback. Right. It's a massive difference. So, like, and we all know the Saints are in cap hell. Why would you play him at quarterback just to put yourself deeper in the hole? Yeah, it was. It wasn't an option, right? <laughs> like, it wasn't even an option for their front offense. They had to re-sign Jameis. You're such a good voice of reason, dude. <laughs> Man, because I, I was about to dive off the deep end here. Like, not really, but... <laughs> Don't do that. It, it, it's a crazy take, but, like, Taysom Hill practicing at tight end reminds me of Tim Tebow practicing at tight end. It's, are they the same player? No, they're not. But it's like, Tays- come on, dog. We all played football. Like, this, this dude's played quarterback mostly, like, you know, playing all these other positions, skill positions. But like now you have to block. That's way different. If you're not used to blocking, especially blocking in the NFL, I mean, come on, the learning curve has to be so incredibly steep. I don't care how athletic you are. 
Like uh, it, it just I, I just don't believe in him being a tight end. So I mean, I know they're saying he would he's gonna practice primarily tight end. That's probably always be listed on the depth chart. But don't get it twisted. He's gonna run the same type of offense and be in the same type of positions that they used him before. It's still the same offensive scheme, even though uh, Sean McVay, not Sean McVay, Sean Payne's not there. Like it's still the same offensive corner that been you know that's that's there. So he's still gonna be used. You know, tight end, H back, flexed out. So they, um, they're playing the money game. Like they, yeah. As long as he's For not sure. a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to list him as a tight end, but he's not going to play tight end. Like, yeah, they're not going to expect him to go in there and, you know, downline block Aaron Donald, you know? Right. Well, fuck, if he is tight end, if he's their tight end one, that's going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, okay. Like, if you want to put it that way, you can always how many tight end, how many tight end ones in, the, in this league can even block right now? Right. There's a handful. They always bring in, you know, their tight end one is primarily a receiving prototype and then they bring in other guys that can block um for a small amount of money uh comparatively so let's do the seahawks and you sign will disley to an eight million dollar year contract well the seahawks are doing some (laughs) questionable things but um think y'all know me i like to rain on parades dog i saw Taysom hills being used as a tight end i'm just like he ain't blocking nobody (laughs) the position has been split right into receiving tight ends and blocking tight ends um, so and there's different payouts. And if you're a blocking tight end, you better have some some type of value on special teams. Otherwise, you're not making the team. Yep. <laughs> so it'll be interesting. Um, you know, Jameis is back. He'll be the starter. Andy Dal- Dalton will be the backup. Um, I'm avoiding this offense as of right now in so, entirety. What but. do you guys expect from James Winston though? So like, obviously last year his yards per game were were pretty poor. Like, they were low. He only went over, like, 250 yards one time. Run heavy offense. But, all of a sudden, like, his turnovers completely vanished. He went 14 touchdowns versus three picks. Yeah. James, I'm sure you remember, he threw five touchdowns against your Green Bay Packers in week one. Sure did. And he only threw for, like, what, like 190 yards in that game or something? Yeah, not even. Um, That's insane. That was a fluke game. Um, But, honestly, should we get to the the bigger question this offense, what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara? Yeah. I think everyone's, because of everything that's happened, forgot yeah. that he um, is dealing with some legal issues. Um, so yeah. Apparently he yo. beat somebody. He beat someone's <laughs> ass worse than Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not, not hard to do, but <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm clueless on this. Y'all fill me in. What's up with Alvin Kamara? No one knows, honestly. Yeah. We know that he's being Buried. he's being charged for basically beating the shit out of some guy. Yep. And there's that. There's been no like other reports or yeah, anything. Nothing. Yeah. That's, That's all there. Some people deserve to get the shit beat out of them. <laughs> yeah. So, and he and maybe he did, I mean, but you know. That's a harsh thing to say, but there are definitely occasions where people it's just, people want it. The problem know? is that like And if you give it to them, they get mad. Like like <laughs> your standard gym bro. Has nothing on like the strength and speed and like intensity of like an NFL player. Right. What was it near an elevator? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, no. If I remember correctly, I think it was on the on the Las Vegas Strip. There was elevators nearby. God, I'm telling you, <laughs> uh, NFL players in these elevators, man. It's like they don't think there's cameras there. It's like these elevators are like elevating their anger. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. All right. All right. <laughs> Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Quarterback Tom Brady announced he will be back out of retirement 
Back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Since for the twenty twenty two NFL season. <laughs> yeah, it's old news. Uh running back Leonard Fournette yeah. shortly Tom, after Tom spent three weeks with his family was like, fuck this. We <laughs> <Yeah>. get <laughs> back to any hit by three hundred pound guys. For anybody with kids at home, dog, it, he spent he didn't even spend four weeks with them. He, he didn't even spend a whole month with them motherfuckers. Okay? <laughs> he went home and said, what the fuck did I think was going to happen when I went home? <laughs> he wants to be back with the boys, and I don't blame him. Uh, Leonard Fournette's back. Signed a three-year, $21 million contract with a max value of $24, $24 million. Uh, they also signed Russell Gage uh, and re-signed Chris Godwin. Or franchise tag Chris Godwin, and then later signed a three-year, sixty million dollar contract with forty million guaranteed at signing. Man, honestly, I'm surprised Chris Godwin took more than like a one-year deal, because like they just signed him at a major discount. I know he's coming off the injury, but like he isn't banking on himself. Like I would think that right. coming off the injury, like take the franchise tag, recoup, and then get your money next offseason. Yeah, I guess he, you know, felt comfortable with the money and wanted to play with Tom. Maybe there's some inklings that, you know, this won't be Tom's last year again. Maybe he'll keep playing. I don't know. Um, But this is where we're at with the Tampa Bay offense. Pretty much the same, except for they are now replacing Antonio Brown with Russell Gage. Which, on the field production, kind of sucks, but in the locker room, a hell of a lot better. <laughs> yeah. You said it perfectly, honestly. I, yeah. And Antonio Brown is definitely more enticing as their slot receiver. Uh, man, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a, I'm a bit of a homer with Russell Gage. It, it's disappointing to see him as a third receiver on a team. But he's he, going to be a high-end third receiver. Yeah, that though. could really be a nice value in fantasy. Dude, if Gronk comes back, though, I'm telling you, it's a big difference. Right, sure. but I, you know the way I would counter that is that when Russell Gage first made a mark, it was in Atlanta when there was Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Well, the second Russell Gage became the second wide receiver, he didn't produce great. And then last year when Calvin Ridley, you know, went on hiatus, Russell Gage as a number one receiver didn't do almost anything. I mean, he, he had a, right. he had a string of decent games, but he's not a true number one. So I think he's perfect as that like high end number three guy, much better than you know uh, Scotty. Miller was or Tyler Johnson was. Would you want Russell Gage on your fantasy team? Yeah, depending on ADP. But I think you're going to be able to get him pretty deep in drafts. He um, could, I could see him going undrafted even in some leagues. Really? Yeah, not only because people will forget or whatever. Um, or in a maybe in a 10-team league. If you're in a more shallow league, if you're in a 12-team, he's probably sure. a late, you know, somewhere between 13 and like 16 round round pick, but... If Gronk comes back, he deserves to be undrafted. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, I think there's some value there. I mean, with Tom Brady at quarterback, the wide receiver three, defenses are going to be keying in on, obviously, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, um, and Gronk, if he's back, frees up Russell Gage quite a bit. The other thing we have to consider here, especially in the beginning of the season, Russell Gage might be receiver too. Chris Godwin might not be ready at the beginning of the season. He yeah, had that's his, true. He had that ACL injury late in the year, like very late. Was it like the last week of the year before the playoffs? Right. So he might not be ready for come, you know, kickoff. So Russell Gage could be your wide receiver too in this offense to begin with, which if especially if you can, if you can draft him late in the draft, could give you really good value in yeah. the first couple weeks of the year. 
Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, news today also Bruce Arians retiring from coaching, but uh, he's going to remain in the front office. Um, so they signed Todd Bowles, promoted him to head coach with the new five-year deal. So Todd Bowles is now the coach, head coach. Bruce Arians in the front office. What what did uh, Antonio Brown do to Bruce Arians? <laughs> Man, he lost all the rest of his hair. Yeah, he didn't have much left, but he lost the rest of it. Antonio Brown did a number on a lot of coaches. Antonio Brown threw those pads, and Bruce Arians was just like, "Fuck this." <laughs> I don't think this changes a whole lot, though, right, for the offense. Um, no, it's still the same offensive coordinator. I know Bruce Arians was the play caller, but it's the same offensive coordinator in Byron Leftwich, so it shouldn't be an issue. Right. Should be a head coach, Byron Leftwich, Rooney Rule. Facts. Yeah. But if you get the chance to play alongside or coach alongside Tom Brady, I yeah. think he, I think he's okay with taking an yeah. offensive coordinator role for another hey, year or two. Quick side chat. He's younger than Tom Brady, right? Uh, yeah. I believe so. Yeah, Byron's got to be. Yeah, I think by is. probably like six years. Yeah, that's like training the new guy at work, and he's like ten years older than I'm, you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Tom Brady was already in the league when Byron Leftwich was drafted. Yeah. Byron Leftwich ain't even got pussy. Tom, <laughs> Tom Brady was throwing Jeez. touchdowns in the NFL, dog. <laughs> Moving on to the <laughs> NFC hey, hold on, West. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's go back. I, uh, I dove deep, but come on now. <laughs> let's like, go back real quick. Let's. I I want to go back to the Leonard Fournette re-signing. I think that's major because yeah, yeah, Ronald Jones sure. is no longer there. He actually, that's one thing we, I guess we did miss on an update for the AFC side. Ronald Jones did sign with Kansas City. Right, 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 right. So you have Leonard Fournette there by himself with uh, Kayvon, whatever his name is. Kashawn Vaughn. Kashawn Vaughn. There it is. Kayvon. Kayvon, I shortened it. Put some respect on his name, dog. He had uh, one of the highest yards per carry last year. Um, well, that's easy to do on 12 carries. Fournette, a uh, top 12 running back next year. Facts. Dre? Uh, it, it's bound to happen. It's Leonard four touchdowns, by the way. All right, get it right. <laughs> oh, yeah. It should. Yeah, if the usage continues the way it did, there's no reason not. Like, there's less, there's actually less competition for carries because Kayvon, Keyshawn Vaughn. I wonder how high his ADP will rise. Like, Fournette, a guy you can draft in the third round next year. I bet you see him go in the second. With RB1 upside, That's is that too expensive for you to take Fournette in the RB2, though? No. Or in the second round? Depending on where in the second round. Because um, obviously, you know, the first half of the round, you're going to see a lot of the top guys go. Then you have a few receivers tied in. I think middle to late second round is where you're going to see Leonard Fournette go. Damn, I'd be hoping to get him in like a fourth. Yeah, I mean, if Maybe he falls like that far. If he held that far, god damn, yeah. like, that's a gift. I doubt he I mean, falls that far. I see a lot of what Tyler said and maybe even third round. If I can get him in the third round, that's kind of, you know, where I'm real happy. But comfortable taking him in the second round? I Late don't know. Se- I mean, second half of the second round, you know, after pick 18, essentially, if you're in a 12 round round draft. Like, if, I'm not a, if I'm, I'm doing that, that, I'm giving up on the season. <laughs> At that point, I'm, I'm so just saying, low. I'm, 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 what I'm saying is I'm just sending prayers at that point. If I'm drafting him in the second, shit has already hit the fan. I mean, if you're drafting like pick 20, like like what? Like how could you like be worse than that? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. We're talking like bottom of the second. But uh, like it's man. it's similar to who we were talking about earlier where we're like, if you're going no receiver like with Antonio Gibson, like would you rather have Antonio Gibson who has a lot more 
uh, risk risk involved because you know one he's injury prone to JD McKissick's there. Would you rather have Leonard That's Fournette? A good comparison. Who would you rather have? I'd rather have Leonard Fournette. Yeah, same here. My my assumption though is that the fantasy community is not on par with what we're saying. Is that maybe Man, I'm wrong on this? I'm assuming that Leonard Fournette is going to be undervalued once again. Everyone's going to sleep on the fact that Ronald Jones isn't there. I mean, honestly, I'll take that. I'll take it to the grave. Like he is a top twelve back next year. He has no. There's no competition. If I can get him in the late end of the second round, early third, or anywhere honestly anywhere outside of this late second round, I am loving that pick. Yeah. You're selling me on it for sure. Um, it'll be interesting to see where his ADP settles, but um, I like that. You're not selling me. I'll put a down payment though. <laughs> it's still selling. Right. Well, uh, I'll give my down payment back. Oh shit, it's a fan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> give my money, y'all. Moving on to the NFC West. Uh, start with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, running back James Conner signed to a three-year, twenty-one million dollar extension that includes sixteen million over the first two years. I think any time a running back is signed to a three-year deal, that's kind of the team saying, just like with Leonard Fournette, um, that's kind of the team saying this is our guy, right? Because yeah. running backs, as we know, can be replaced. Um, in a blink. Yeah. Uh, with a seventh-round draft pick in a lot of cases. Yeah, exactly. Diamond dozen. Um, but if they're signing a running back to a three-year deal, that's a significant backing. Um, so that's significant. They also re-signed tight end Zach Ertz to a, a three-year deal, $31.65 million contract. It includes $17.5 million guaranteed. Pretty nice contract there for Zach Ertz. Uh, they also signed, though, re-signed Max Williams at tight end to a one-year contract. Uh, how do you guys feel about, you know, these uh, this offense? I guess let's focus on the free agent or re-signings. James Conner, Zach Ertz. Is James Conner going to replicate what he did last year in terms of touchdown production without Chase Edmonds filling in? as the other threat in the backfield? Uh, how many games did Chase Wins play last year? Uh, not many, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was hurt for a lot of the year. All right, um, so you look that up while I bring up right. this question here. Um, not really a question. It, it's really interesting that they chose James Conner over Chase Edmonds. Like, as I think we agree on the podcast. When you're looking at the film, watching the Cardinals play, Chase Edmonds just seems like such a more explosive back, but maybe whatever from whatever they've seen, James Conner seems to be the more all-around back that they can move forward with, which obviously that's what they did. They let Chase walk. They re-signed James, James Conner. And we know who James Conner is at this point. He almost reminds me of a bargain bin, Edgerin James. I'm really reaching on it, but someone who, like, continues to produce but doesn't get the clout. So when he gets a chance, I mean, James Conner, especially with this backfield, this James Conner, Eno Benjamin, and Jonathan Ward. I can go down the list if I had to, but those names don't even matter. Eno Benjamin, we saw him last year, the last two years. Not very productive. So James Conner, he seems to be in one of the very, very, very few situations in the NFL where he's the only viable running back. It is true. And I'm not shocked they chose James Conner. You guys were 
like shit on James Conner the entire season. <laughs> I'll admit it. I totally like, did. I totally you did. both did. I totally did. You guys called him. That's why I bring up Edron James. It's not super flashy, but he gets the shit done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, and I've been on the James Conner like. People give him shit for like because of what happened in Pittsburgh, where he was actually a good running back. But the last couple of years there, there the reason he wasn't very productive is because the offensive line was shit. Yeah, it's terrible. The same reason why Najee Harris, like, you know, he had a good rookie year, but he got killed a lot of times. So he was getting hit on average more than a yard in the backfield. Right. And and I'm not putting James Conner on the same playing field as Najee Harris. Najee Harris is the better running back, but there's a reason for that. If James Conner has a good line in front of him, and the Cardinals have a decent line, he produces. So that's why James Conner is a good back, and he's a good for this offense. Not to mention, he showed he can catch the ball out of the backfield. How many one-handed catches did he come up with last year? A bunch. Yeah. RB one, right? He James made Conner, some plays RB1. in the passing game for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, well, I mean, like you said, there's no one competing with him. Right. RB one, like, right? Like I would say that Keyshawn Vaughn is more of a threat to Leonard Fournette than you know Benjamin is to James Con- James Conner. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, ninety-nine percent sure. Yep. Yeah, I could get, I I could get with that for sure. Um again, it's it's kind of one of those questions of where does his ADP fall? How early do you have to draft him in drafts? I could see his I would see his ADP falling a lot farther than I would see uh Leonard Fournette's. Right. I think Leonard Fournette's a solid round 3 pick at the latest. Where for some reason I could see James Conner falling to like the 6th or 7th round for no good reason. Holy shit, I would draft James Conner ahead of Leonard Fournette. Okay. That's me taking a real leap. I mean, I don't... I would draft him about the same point, honestly, but for some reason, people have this weird stigma against James Conner. So I could see his ADP falling literally for no reason. It's his yard per carry over his career. It's not nice. But the boy gets points. It's not nice. It's not nice. touchdowns, man, and that's what wins fantasy games, right? So you don't know what it is. If you're a running back, if you're not averaging more than four yards a carry... And that's kind of like where he's teetering on. From what I remember, I want honestly, I'm not even looking at his stats. It's just from what I remember looking at him. He he barely averages four yards a carry, so it, it's hard to believe in him. But he gets touchdowns and he gets the touches. He gets it done. It's like, I mean, God, this is a horrible example. He's like the McDonald's of running backs. Like you don't really, <laughs> you don't really want to do it, but it's gonna get the fucking job done. Yeah, like whatever. It's it's like at least like it's your consistent. Last resort. You're like, yeah, it's here, it's available. I'll take it, and it's gonna give me what I want. It's always open at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess, yeah. <laughs> so the tight end position gets muddied up a little bit with them bringing back Max Williams and also re-signing Zach Ertz, but it from the from the contracts alone, it's clear that Zach Ertz is their number one tight end. Um. I think there's some sleeper value here. You saw the Arizona Cardinals use the tight end position pretty often this year. Um, even before they brought over Zach Ertz in a trade, uh, Max Williams was getting some pretty good play. Um, but again, this will be one of those issues at tight end where it's it's kind of a toss-up. And But there's some sleeper value there, I think, with Zach Ertz. This is the year you get money out of Zach Ertz right now. If you're in on Zach Ertz, I believe you go in right now. If you like him on the Cardinals, then grab him. If it's not this year, it's not going to happen. Yep. Three years, he's 31 years old. Right. That's a significant contract for Zach Ertz. But it is. I'm actually surprised Max Williams re-signed there, but I'm sure he didn't have a choice because he's coming off the, the injury. ACL injury. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean Zach or Max Williams actually showed some flash being yeah, part of this offense. He did. Um, he in the he didn't play week one, or no, he did play. He didn't get. It. He had one target week one, but in the five games he did play, um, really the four games because he got hurt pretty early in the in week five. He had two good games over five over ten points, um, and two bad games under five points. So it's a little hit or miss. Uh, Zach Ertz came in with a little more consistency than that. They used him a little bit more, but that could have been also a factor of wide receiver play being up and down and you know injury prone that way. But to that point, AJ Brown's gone, Christian Kirk is gone. So I would see, you know, Kyler 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 Murray. I can't want to say Kyler Williams. AJ Green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, AJ Green's gone. Yeah. You said AJ Brown. Jesus. AJ <laughs> <laughs> Green's gone. Christian Kirk is gone. So I could see them relying more on Zach Ertz this year. So I think I mean I could see him being a sleeper, but I would actually kind of expect his ADP to rise this year. Yeah. Yeah, I could get with that. 50 targets for Zach Ertz settles in the last five weeks of the season. Yeah. 50. Damn. Yeah, they were definitely utilizing him. So um, interesting, nice little tight end there to keep an eye on. Uh, Moving on to the Los Angeles Rams, the Super Bowl winners. Um, they signed QB Matt Stafford, what is effectively a three-year, $120 million extension that includes $60 million signing bonus. The extension should clear close to $10 million off of the Rams' 2022 salary cap. Um, they also signed wide receiver Allen Robinson to a $46.5 million deal that includes $30.7 million fully guaranteed. So apparently the Rams don't have a salary cap and have uh, unlimited funds. It's LA, baby. <laughs> what do we make of this uh new wide receiver wide receiver room with um Bobby Trees out of the picture, obviously Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, and Van Jefferson are the three uh horses in the stable. Does Allen Robinson provide fantasy value unlike last year? I believe so. Um, honestly, Allen Robinson is this is his bounce back. Uh, they uh, the Rams obviously believe in him, believe in him, and he's going to an offense that thrives with whoever whoever's in there. So um, the only thing that take that he can take a hit on is if they re-sign OBJ, right? Because OBJ becomes the immediate number two receiver and knocks Allen Robinson down a notch, and that would hurt him. But honestly. The Rams could do this because, like, you know, they're they want every player they possibly can get. But the type of contract they gave Allen Robinson doesn't leads me to believe that they don't think they need to sign OBJ. Right. So yeah, I think Allen Robinson completely comes in and becomes, you know, Bobby Trees, who was a number two flex play receiver week in week out. I think you're going to see Allen Robinson do the same thing. And some people might get, you know. Like they're gonna shy away from him because of what happened last year. I wouldn't. I'd be happy drafting him. You know, at a decent spot. I think you could absolutely draft him and you You'd know be comfortable with him as your wide receiver too. Low end two, high end flex. I, I would rather him as my flex play, just as you would Robbie Bobby Trees. But you know, if I had to on a on, you know, depending on your draft strategy, I could see him as your low end wide receiver too. See, I'm skeptical on putting him that high. Because Robert Woods was the epitome of consistency at receiver. Allen Robinson, we got a pretty small sample size 
on the Bears, which are historically a horrible passing receiving game franchise for as long as we know. And that makes me shy away from Allen Robinson. If, if OBJ comes back, I'm not interested in Allen Robinson. At that point, he becomes like a waiver wire flex pickup for me. Cooper Cup, obviously, we know the prowess that he has. Tyler Higby, that's your guy. He has a little bit of prominence. But if OBJ comes back, Allen Robinson falls off to me. He, he Allen Robinson, it sounds crazy to say, he falls in like the Van Jefferson category for me if OBJ comes back. Yeah, you know, I don't see him bringing back OBJ. I just don't know why they would. But, you know, I've been surprised before, um, and maybe they will. Cause, and, that, and then that leaves Van Jefferson off into the depths of the abyss. <laughs> like he's I would, no I, longer. The way I would say this is that since Sean McVay's been there, Robert Woods has been receiver 11, 14, and 13 before last year when he got hurt. Right. And you could, it's not the craziest argument to say that Allen Robinson is a ta- more talented receiver than Robert Woods is. Right. I would say Allen Robinson is more physically gifted. And Robert Woods had, I'm going off the deep end here, but Robert Woods has to work a little bit harder to stay on the same level as someone as Allen Robinson because he's not born with the same physical gifts and the physical prowess. Yeah. So with Robert Woods putting in all that work to maintain where he has been in fantasy, I'm curious if Allen Robinson can even reproduce it if he has that same kind of grind to him because obviously Robert Woods has it. And the way I would counter that, and so I just gave you the Robert Woods' uh, rankings the last three years before the injury. The last two years for Allen Robinson before his drop-off this year, he was receiver 9-7. and seven. So five receivers possible ahead of Robert Woods. And it's bad offense, as you already said. And now he's going to a great offense in the Rams. Yeah, a great quarterback. And good, a great play caller. Good counter, good counter. I don't, I don't have a counter to your counter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how far, you know, or where Allen Robinson goes in drafts, where his ADP is, is um, settling in at, but... O- OBJ is the turning piece in this in this whole puzzle. One hundred percent. We'll have to see how that plays out for sure. Uh, moving on to the San Francisco Forty ers running back Jamichael Hasty signed a one year extension. Um, and that is it. The Forty ers <laughs> have been awfully quiet. Extremely. Um, questions at quarterback still remain. Is Jimmy G back to be the starter, or are they going to Trey Lance? I mean, the what they're saying now is that they have no problem keeping Jimmy G if they need to. If there's not a trade pardon that that you know comes out, they have no problem keeping him. And the, John Lynch came out and said that it's because he's too good of a player. Honestly, I think it's because they don't have complete faith in Trey Lance yet. Right. You know, they're they're still seeing his off season workouts and whatnot, and like they're not completely sold. I mean, his physical his physical traits are there, but I think he might be having a hard time adapting to the NFL game. I mean, we all know he came from an FCS team you know, right, in, in right, North right. Dakota. He didn't play major competition. I mean, he played with you know Eastern Washington and Montana State and, and teams like that. Right. Started Cooper Cup. Yeah. Well, Cooper Cup took a couple years to you know, come into the league, too. And that's at the receiver position, not the quarterback position, right. where you have to like know what everyone on your team is doing at all times. Yeah, I mean, they certainly haven't pushed all their chips in and said, hey, you know, Trey Lance is our starter, bona fide QB1. And why year. would you? You have a Super Bowl you know, quality team, and the quarterback position is what's going to change that for you. If you push all your chips in on Trey Lance and he flops, you have no chance. Right. 
Yeah, keeping Jimmy G in the fold at least gives you that game manager backup that can win you some games, right? Um, so I'll just say this. Jimmy G is starting for the 49ers next year. At, at this point in the offseason, I don't think Niners fans want to hear that, but you could be 100% right. It's the truth. <laughs> it's, it's the only reason they came, kept him around this long. They, they floated around the rumor that they had two second-round picks offered for him. Well, then why not take it? Because obviously that's in my opinion, above his value. Why would they right. not take that? And you well, have to back a quarterback. Obviously, you're not going to draft a quarterback with the one you got last year in the first round. It, 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 to me, it just seems that they're going to keep Jimmy G, develop Trey Lance for another year, and fantasy-wise, it just means stay away from the fucking 49ers, quarterback-wise. And honestly, it's a problem, Niners fans. Like, What are they complaining about? Jimmy G has a winning record and took you to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like... He's not the reason you're losing. He's not necessarily the winning the reason you're winning games, but it doesn't mean Trey Trey Lance is the answer. Well, like, if they have eyeballs and watch the playoffs last year, if they're anything like me, I'm just screaming at the television. Put in Trey Lance, <laughs> see what happens. I mean, Jimmy G was basically throwing the goddamn game for him. Anytime you spend that much draft capital, uh, especially on a quarterback, um, you know the expectations are big. Um, so. I think that's has a lot to do with it, right? They they kind of said, you know, Trey Lance is our guy, and they, they took a gamble. We all know what Trey Lance can do for fantasy purposes, right, from his rushing ability. Um, but, again, well, I mean, it, we have a whole, like, game-and-a-half sample size. Yeah, exactly, but... In, in that small sample size, he produced starting massively. fantasy quarterback <laughs> yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, but that, as we know, doesn't translate always to real football, right? And um, his ability to actually win real football games, not just fantasy games. So we got to see what happens here. Um, obviously, it'll be a hot topic going forward throughout the offseason. But um, as of right now, Jimmy G is still there. Uh, Seattle Seahawks. Who? Yeah, it might, you know, it's been rough. <sighs> For the old Seahawks, um, crazy, Hawks. crazy off season for the <laughs> Hawks. Uh, quarterback Drew Locke acquired in a trade with the Denver Broncos for quarterback Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick. So Russell Wilson era is over in Seattle. They also re-signed Rashad Penny to a one year, five point seven five million dollar deal, max value of six point five million. Best, best thing we've done in years. Yeah. <laughs> and they re-signed tight end Will Disley on a three-year, $24 million contract. The block. While also acquiring tight end Noah Fant in, a, in that trade with the Denver Broncos. What are we expecting from this offense as of right now with what se- seems to be Drew Locke uh, as the starting quarterback? Uh, well, it's Drew Locke. I don't know. Man, honestly, the Seahawks, they're not out of the quarterback market. Pete Carroll's come out and said that in the last couple of days. They're still looking to bring in competition, but they also are saying that they believe in Drew Locke if they need to. They like Drew Locke coming out of college. They like that he has a big arm. Um, They like that he went 4-1 and one in his rookie year as a starter. Now, that was against suspect defense for most of that, so we'll see. Ah, yeah. yeah. Ah. So... 
<laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> now, the thing is, I know Noah Fant is on his rookie contract, but you just paid Will Disley more than you're paying Noah Fant, who's presumably your starting tight end. Right. And who we know, like, Noah Fant has the ability to be a, a very good tight end in this league, and you just paid a blocker more money than him. It's, yes, it's ridiculous. they did. So I don't know how the offense is going to be. I think ultimately, in terms of your fantasy fantasy starters, you're going to have Rashard Penny and Chris Carson split, um, unless one of them gets hurt. Other than that, they're going to have a very you know fifty fifty split, just because we know what Chris Carson has been, and that we saw what Rashard Penny did you know the end of last year. So I don't see one guy getting ahead that way. Receiver wise. As much as I love Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf is the guy that I would probably draft because he has the physical tools. And a lot of what Tyler Lockett provided you was probably a special connection he had with Russell Wilson. Yeah, can't argue with that. Um, so, Rashad Penny, is he running back too worthy? Or are we not taking that gamble? <laughs> Do you want me to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> honestly no um i think you're going to see rashad penny and chris carson be exactly what we saw from melvin gordon and jamal williams or J- javante javante thank you javante williams last year in denver you're gonna see this one-two punch that almost splits carries you know down the middle and the guy you're banking on that game is the one who scores the touchdown that seals the deal for me man i already thought i'm avoiding the seahawks yeah. fantasy this year any position, I'm avoiding the Seahawks, which is a, a crazy thing to say about DK Metcalf, and especially Tyra Lockett, who we know is inconsistent, but does produce at the end of the year, point-wise. I'm avoiding this entire team. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm there with you right now, depending on what happens at quarterback, but again, DK, Tyler Lockett, they're going to be drafted off name value alone um, rather than opportunity. And suckers, their their name value alone is probably going to increase their ADP to a point where they're not going to give you a, a good enough return on your investment, and that worries me. Let me throw this out there: What if Ryan Fitzpatrick starting for the Seahawks? <laughs> that changes everything. <laughs> I, hey, it might sound crazy, no, honestly, but does it honestly increase the value of these it receivers? Does. Yes. It makes you actually want them, yeah. right? I mean, I was going to put it, throw out another quarterback out there because um, obviously the Seahawks are mentioned a lot when it comes to Baker Mayfield. Um, how True. would you guys feel about that over Drew Locke? It's better. Um, again, though, I think there's too much of a risk. There's too much of a gamble. The thing is, I almost prefer Drew Locke because at least when it comes to DK, I know Drew Locke can get the ball down the field and Baker can't. Right, yeah, true, yeah. Drew Locke had three legit receivers in the Broncos. Now he's going to the Seahawks and he has two, more or less, legit receivers. I just don't see him producing more with less. But he also had more competition in Denver in terms of like Teddy Bridgewater was there, um, you know, competing with it. He had Kimmel who was in front of him in Denver his rookie year before he had the five starts at the end of the year. Um, I can't remember who that was, but doesn't that make you perform better though with competition? It, it raises the level that you're bringing it's, every morning when you step in the the building. I think you, know you still your have job to, is insecure. I think you still have to consider that, like, you know, when he had that, like the one year he had, he actually was able to start was his rookie year in those last five games. Other than that, he's been in and out of the lineup, so it's hard to catch a rhythm with with wide receivers. 
Whereas if, like, for instance, Seattle, if they don't bring in any competition, he's the guy. Because it's not going to be Geno Smith or Jacob Eason. Right. It's going to be be Drew Locke. So I think you have a better chance of him developing a rapport with them. Plus, he's, you know, four years in the league now, understands NFL defenses better. I'm not going to put that, you know, exclusively on him. Okay, but if Drew Locke is the guy, are you, so you're saying are you comfortable with DK and Tyler, or Tyler Lockett as your wide receiver two? Because you definitely don't want him as your wide receiver one. Yeah, no, one. you don't want that. I would choose DK. And you'd be okay with him as your wide receiver two? Yeah, yeah I would. Jeez, you didn't want to ship with Metcalf at two? When Metcalf is at two and produces borderline wide receiver one numbers because he's the number one target on the offense, yeah. Still the number one target, mm-hmm. sure. Ah, oh, man, it's just <laughs> it's hard for me to buy in on Drew Locke. It, I'm just, it really no, is. No, no, it is it is for me too. But I'm just saying, like, DK is the type of talent where, like, Drew Locke doesn't have to be great, but if he can throw the ball down the down <laughs> down the field, DK can go up and catch it. Right. Yeah, you know, he's just one of those guys that he's going to high point the ball. He's, you know, an athletic freak. So, like, if you put the ball up, he can go down and get it. So, I wouldn't be surprised that even with Drew Locke playing quarterback, that DK goes for 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns. Dude, name the last 1,000-yard receiver before DK Metcalf and Tyre Lockett for the Seahawks. Doug Baldwin. <laughs> Damn it. I forgot about Doug Baldwin. Okay, we're going a little bit further back, though. Without Russell Wilson, before the Russell Wilson era, uh, that's who's someone? That's who, a desolate times there. you see what i'm saying up in the northwest we're corn robinson <laughs> see what we got to pull the google actually bobby ingram might have done a thousand yards one year with matt Hasselbeck. we, we got to pull the google out for that shit that's what i'm saying we're, we're up in the the nasty pacific northwest especially seattle right off the ocean that quarterback's gotta be ready for that shit man like russell wilson's the only person to really come into seattle and produce multiple fantasy relevant receivers probably ever for the Seahawks organization, which they obviously don't give a shit about. But fantasy-wise, that's what we care about. So it, it, I just I find it really hard to believe that a quarterback not familiar with playing in Seattle is going to come in and produce a fantasy-relevant receiver. It, it, it's windy. It's rainy. Nobody that's listening really cares. But I used to do sprinklers. And I used to go to sprinkler conventions. And it's the <laughs> number one thing they used to say at the sprinkler convention is we're trying to get rain to fall from the ground in the windiest area in the country. Right. Like, this is a hard area to play football in. We don't get the credit up here as far as, like, being a Buffalo or a New York or a Green Bay. Like, it's hard to play in the Northwest when the weather's hitting. And just to answer your question, it was Bobby Ingram in 2007 with Matt Hasselbeck. <laughs> 2007, w- w- Russell Wilson was drafted in 2012? 11 or 12, yeah. So we're talking a five-year gap of having a fantasy-relevant receiver for an NFL franchise. You see what I'm getting at? Like, it, it, oh, no, it, oh, I'm sorry. TJ Hushman's daughter until it's Oh, how can you forget Hush? Who's your mom? Oh, wait, no, hold on. He, hold on, wait a minute. I, I, I missed one. He was just under. He was at 9-11. Oh. oh see, fuck it. Don't, doesn't count. <laughs> good name, though. That's a good name to bring TJ Hoosh. Who's your mama? Damn. Stud. But do you guys kind of see where I'm getting at, though? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially a young quarterback. I mean, Denver is kind of similar, but we're talking high elevation, mountains, snow, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we're talking cold, rainy. Windy, probably uh, 
six out of the eight games you play at home. Yeah. That fucking sucks. <laughs> as far as a football player goes, like, come on, man. That that sounds horrible. Yeah. Well, in any way, we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled on what the Seattle Seahawks end up doing at quarterback and have obviously some more opinions on this throughout the rest of the off season. But for now, we gotta wrap this thing up. Uh we've been going a little crazy with our new mics here. <laughs> we we're very excited. I think we're like two hours deep. Yeah, now, our so. new setup, so apologize for the long episode, but I don't hope, apologize, dude. You're welcome. <laughs> hope you enjoyed the content and um we will be back with some rookie episodes, um, all that good stuff um in the very near future. So uh if you haven't already, check us out on Twitter at the FF Fathers. We appreciate you guys listening and uh look forward to many, many championships. Yeah, in the hit years us up to come. on Twitter, dog. That shit makes our day. At least it makes my day. I don't know how you guys feel about it. That's just <laughs> awesome, man. I love hearing <laughs> feedback. Shout out to Muppets dropping mitts. Yeah. He's got a great hockey podcast. Check that out at Muppets Dropping Mitts on Twitter. Yeah, we love you guys. Take her easy and goodbye. Peace, bitch. <laughs> I'll cut that out. Oh, <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> uh. Just leave it on an accident. It's like, um, I like the podcast, but you, you guys kind of aggressive. <laughs> <laughs>